Good afternoon, everybody. Um, sorry we're starting slightly later. It's been a hot day, and um, I understand the queue for the ice cream is very long, so we decided to give a few minutes uh, for people to get here. You're welcome. Um, my name is Shegwan Ladoko. I'm from the King's Church in Epsim. Uh, as a church, we're new to the Commission family, but we feel very welcome and part of what God is doing. And it's been a fantastic conference so far, would you say? Yeah, I've been really blessed. Uh, so my job today is to introduce Simon, and I know that um, most of you saw him and his wife on stage, uh, must be two days ago now, um, talking about the exciting adventure that they're going into. Uh, so, but for this session, Simon is going to be exploring with us some of the uh, stuff that's been going on with the snap election, uh, changes in our world, and the... Uh, instability that that kind of creates uh, but how are we to understand that as Christians and um, I think there's something in the Bible about being uh, sons of Issachar who understood the times and what God was doing and somebody brought a picture the other day about in spite of all that's going on we have a God that is seated on the throne and everything is under control so Simon will be exploring that with us uh, today We've got about an hour and a half to do that. It will teach, and then there will be opportunity for question. And I think he's saying that there may be prayers at the end um, as well. So just to start, just really welcome Simon, uh, who's going to take us in this session. Thank you. Thank you so much, Shagan. Um, and, uh, and bless you for being here. Uh, thank you very much uh, for giving up time uh, on this glorious afternoon to, um, to begin to look at really something that's a, a, a bigger picture uh, thing than, than, than simply uh, what's going on in the news, although I'm hoping that over the time we'll spend together we'll get some ways to handle and interpret some of what's happening um, in the world around us uh, and amongst us. Um, you know, there's a lot of news, there's a lot of politics, um, there's a lot of change, and we may even be in the middle of a little bit of history. Uh, and I choose that language very carefully because um, history uh, has a long perspective, whereas uh, the news cycle and the media is very short-termist. Um, and therefore, uh, you know, I was, I was flicking through um, before I came uh, out this afternoon and I was comparing what was on the Times of India website with the Al Jazeera website with uh, the BBC websites and trying to see what the, what the th stories were on those websites. And, and the, the stories were incredibly different and the priorities that different parts of the world have, even in news reporting, can be very, very different. Rarely do we get the same thing. Unless it's an international event occurring even on our news feeds at the same time. And I have a habit of, in my own life, which is perhaps one of the ways uh, I apply some of the things I'm going to say, is to have news feeds from different parts of the world. So I have, you know how you set your phone and you get the BBC headlines pops up. Well, I have the Daily Star popping up, but not the Daily Star you're thinking of, the Big Brother one. No, the Daily Star is the major Lebanese national newspaper. So at the moment, the big issue that's going around there is how the Lebanese army, Hezbollah, and the Syrian forces are fighting against ISIS uh, and, and, what, and what's going on with that. That's the primary thing on the Al Jazeera website as well, but it doesn't make it much coverage on the BBC news websites. Uh, and that just gives us an insight into, into how the world works and perhaps where we stand, the world looks different from where somebody else stands. 
Uh, and today I want to look a little bit about where we stand and what we see, and then how we need to adjust where we stand and how we see to perhaps look from at least two perspectives uh, and then begin to think about then how we live as God's people who happen to have a certain nationality on our passports. Uh, and we're going to try and explore some of those issues. Um, and we'll do that by uh, looking at some scripture. We'll do that by contemplating some issues. And we'll do that by telling um, a few stories because stories are very important. Uh, in case you didn't realize it, that culture tends to be embedded in stories. Uh, and we tell stories that explain uh, the world around us. Uh, and we have different stories depending on where we're born and, uh, uh, and how, how we think life works. Uh, I, let me give you a simple illustration that if you're married you will understand. Every family has a different story around Christmas. Do you remember when you got married and you were trying to work out what you're going to do at Christmas? How much does your family or my family spend on presents at Christmas? My family spends more on, on, on presents at Christmas than Kate's family does, or at least they appear to. Because my family gives lots of presents, preferably bought as cheaply as possible. Because <laughs> they're from Yorkshire. <laughs> and we have certain cultural types. Kate's family give fewer presents, but they're very particularly chosen, and they can at times be expensive. We had to marry that. That becomes even more interesting when you have grandparents, and you have to help your children understand the different stories that, that, that their grandparents are imposing into the culture that they live in. Now, take that to world and international politics, and how you interpret life, and how you interpret things. I was um, in uh, the get my map right, I was in the west of Turkey uh, uh, being invited for a meal. And uh, we were going to the meal, though, not uh, of uh, Turkish people, but from people that live in Turkey. They were actually Kurds. Now, the Kurdish people don't have a nation of their own, though they are a very distinct nation. Uh, they have happened to be in some of the geopolitical countries that we call Turkey and Syria and Iraq. But actually, they're their own people group. And this uh, family of Kurds had invited myself and an American Christian leader, church leader, uh, to dinner with them. Uh, they were new to the church community that I was serving in this part of Turkey, visiting uh, as a speaker uh, for the weekend. And they wanted to uh, show honor. Uh, and uh, they, the way we could respect them is not to invite them to come out with us or to come to my friend's home, but to show honor by going to them and receiving their hospitality. Because you show honor in that culture by going to visit rather than to invite. So we're going to invite and we are being served. What for them is a, a great honor, an expensive meal. Um, and these people are living in a measure of poverty. You can tell it's a poorer part of town because as we go into town, this is, this is in January, I think yeah, it was January, um, so you can smell the coal burning in the stoves because it's the stoves were coal-fired because therefore there's a poorer people and you can feel it hanging heavy, some cheap coal hanging heavy from inefficient stoves in the air. So we go into, into this home uh, and the meal is served, it's served on a huge great platter. And it's just poured out onto this platter, and we help ourselves onto our plates. 
and it is this huge serving of stuffed lamb's entrails. And uh, I, I've travelled to many places and eaten many things in many cultures, uh, and I'm, I'm quite happy eating most things. I, I'm not so bothered by, by what I eat. It doesn't really put me off, to be honest with you. Uh, but this, I was feeling tired. It was the end of a long time. And I was, look, I was counting down the hours to the plane. <laughs> it's funny how you get to that. And, uh, and, I'm so, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, help me. And then I'm looking around. How can I hide this? Where's the bread? Where's the salad? <laughs> There's nothing. It's because it's the st- the everything's in the stuffing. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, Lord Jesus, help me here. Because I really want to show respect and honor, and I, and I want I, I, I'm, these guys are putting themselves out to and and to, to refuse their food would have been the height of disgrace. It would have they would have probably never come back to the church. It would have been so shameful to put to refuse their hospitality. I'm fighting. I'm thinking, yeah, I will do this. I eat it, and it's it's okay. A bit rubbery. You know, kind of a little bit rubbery, and uh, 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 but there was some. It was okay. We ate it. There's a few spring onions to have alongside it, and, and, and then we, uh, there's, there's the, the ubiquitous bottle of coke, um, uh, and we're drinking that and some tea, and and then we start to talk and and we start to share stories, and I'm beginning to hear stories about how uh, they've become followers of Jesus, and then I turn to this guy and start to talk to him, and he turns out to be a relative of our hosts. Uh, who has come because there's honoured guests, so he's come. And he's from the Kurdish area of Turkey, which is, is more um, to the northeast of Turkey. Uh, and I'm asking why he's doing here, and he says, well, he's visiting, but he has to go home. And I said, but he's worried about going home, and he's going home in the next couple of days. And I'm saying, why, why are you worried about going home? Well, he said, well, we're, we're a hated people in Turkey. To be honest with you, we, they, we, you read the news, and the Kurdish people, is, there's, there's actually fighting in our part on the border. There's some fighting between the, our some of the people from our community and some people from the Turkish community. And I was driving a van, uh, and I didn't know what was in the van, and I, uh, and, uh, I was stopped by the police, uh, and the papers uh, said that I was, I was carrying white goods. Uh, and I opened the van, and actually I didn't realize that I was carrying contraband cigarettes. Um, and um, uh, I'm going to go back to face trial. I'm going to face. I'm going to put in prison. And even though the, my word doesn't mean anything because of my culture um, uh, and because where I'm from, but I could escape to the west because we're on the coast here, and it's easy to get to the west. You know, you can pay your way and get in a boat and get to the west. But I can't leave. I can't abandon my wife and my children. So I'm going to go back and face the consequences. And and it, this this guy turns out not to be a follower of Jesus yet. Uh, and uh, and we pray that God would would deliver him. Uh, from the trial that he faces in a three or four days' time, I think it was, uh, in the courts that were stacked against him because of, of the different way people look at culture and individuals and where they're from and what it all means. And I suddenly found myself just sitting in a, a totally different cultural experience, seeing people work out different values, hospitality, friendship, Fear, obedience or, or disobedience to regard to the law, care of children, uh, how they're viewed, how they're living as an oppressed people. And I began to go, think, oh gosh, everybody's story is different. And I began to try and get into their story. So I'm now, a few months later, a slightly different story, but it kind of connects. I'm visiting um, some friends in a, a different Middle East, well, Turkey's not the Middle East, but it's the Near East, but in a Middle Eastern city. Uh, and there's Kurdish people there who are also refugees. Um, and, uh, and my friend's been along to a, a celebration uh, of, of uh, the 
the cur- uh, uh, of some meal or other. He comes back with a with a with a gift, and this gift is a map. And I've never seen this map before. And on this gift is a country with a capital city, uh, and it's and, it, and it's a Christian thing that's been put together by these Christians who are from uh, the Kurdish people group. And it says, "Pray for the Kurds," and it has a flag and it has a map, and it says, "This is our land. Pray that God will give us our land." And this land is, is now within three or four, three different geopolitical nations. And this Christian people were saying the right thing to do is a nationalistic prayer that we will get our homeland. And I'm thinking, hmm. And they've got a verse, there's a framed photograph, and it's there. And I'm thinking, oh, what's, what's my response to that? Do I pray for that? But that's somebody else. Somebody else lives there as well at the moment. How do I, how do I approach that question? What's my, answer, what's my biblical answer to those Christians asking for prayer that they will get a homeland, which means overthrowing or at least adjusting the nation states as they currently exist? And this is just, these are just stories from between last West Point and this West Point. So the world becomes complex. Climates, sorry, cultures are different. There are many different approaches to questions and as Christians in the world we need to understand the world around us we need to understand our own world uh, a, a quote uh, I picked up from uh, a, Nep- a Nepalese uh, person talking on culture uh, was reflecting on working with Europeans we want to know why we were never told before how Europeans think Though they are our colleagues, we have been hurt by them for many years. For example, when they asked us to take them on a trek into the Himalayas, we would, of course, say yes, as our culture requires this. How were we to know that they did not understand our culture? What we really meant was no. But we were unable to say no directly because they were our guests in our country. We didn't, we didn't know they didn't understand our culture, nor that we were really saying no. So we would have to leave our families without provisions, often for a month at a time, causing great suffering to us and to them. If we'd only known these concepts about the difference in the way we think and communicate, we'd have been spared the pain and broken relationships. You see, in some cultures, you can't say no. You just don't say yes strongly. So you invite, would you like to uh, have a cup of tea? Yeah. Would you like a cup of tea? Yes. So that's an answer. You give, give someone a cup of tea. If you say, you, you don't do that. You, you say, in some cultures, you say no first time, and then you ask again, are you sure you don't want a cup of tea? Uh, no, thank you. No, no, are you really sure? Oh, yeah, third question, that means you really want to give it to me, and therefore, th- on the third time of asking, I'll say yes. Does that make sense? Sort of, yeah, it kind of does. That, that's kind of the way it works. So a friend of mine uh, tells a story of being in Turkey and looking for a post office. And uh, he goes to his friend and goes to in the streets looking for a post office, turns to someone and says, where's the post office? And the person looks and says, oh, yes, it's straight down the road, second on the left, first on the right. He goes, second on the left, first on the right. No post office. Oh, must have misunderstood the instructions. Find somebody else. Oh, excuse me, please can you tell me where the post office is? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's actually round the corner, second on the right, go up the alleyway, and it's just tucked away on the left. <laughs> no post office. Third person who happens to have travelled in the West, lived in the West, says, oh, I'm so sorry, there's no post office in our village. 
the problem is, you see, you can't tell, you can't, it's inhospitable to say you can't serve someone. So you just tell them something you want them to hear because that makes them happy. And your goal is to make someone happy. The goal is, is to serve them. You see, different cultures work incredibly differently. You could, you could characterize it sometimes simply by climate. Hot climates are different to cold climates. So even across Europe, we have different cultures. There's a huge difference between hot Southern Catholic Europe and Northern cold Protestant Europe, culturally. That's why there's that tension in the Euro. One of the reasons there's the tension in the Euro between two different ways of living, two different ways of doing business, two different ways of, of processing governments. So uh, all those things start to play into the way the world works. So given those kind of funny stories and, and, and silly uh, kinds of ways of illustrating things, we now need to sort of say, well, well, as Christians, how do we approach this kind of thing? Where do we live? Where do we put ourselves? How do we read what's going on and respond? And actually, how do we look in the mirror when it comes to examining and thinking things around culture? Um, that's another embarrassing, insightful story um, from uh, my own uh, life. Um, I can remember I was raised in, in, in the north of England and uh, I want to try and tell this story s sensitively because it's, 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 a, it's a, a story that reveals some of the, the prejudices that were within my, my family and my raising. Um, and within where I lived, there was a, a significant me measure of migration from South Asia, from uh, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. Uh, and, uh, and my family were, were, uh, were, were typical uh, white Yorkshire types. Um, loyal, good-hearted, but Yorkshire's the centre of the universe, as we all know. Um, and, uh, and, and one of the things that my, my parents were, 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 were would make a comment on was there's so many of those people living together in that house. How, how old is that? Isn't, they, 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 they're breeding like rabbits. And I'm thinking, oh, and at the time, you know, it's just a ha-ha joke. It's actually, it's, it's totally insensitive and thoughtless. Not because we were insensitive and thoughtless, we just didn't understand. We didn't understand that 60% of the world lives as families of five or more in one room. We didn't understand that actually families from certain cultures prefer to live together than to separate out. That actually the family unit and togetherness is far more valuable than setting up your own home and living independently. We didn't understand the approach to property was we all together buy one house and then we all together buy a second house. And then we all together buy a third house rather than we all try and buy five houses at the same time and borrowing the money. We didn't understand that. We had no concept of a way a different culture worked. And we simply had to begin to learn those things. So how do we respond to this? Lots of stories, lots of thoughts. Well, Psalm 2 uh, talks about it in terms of kings and authorities. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. Well, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. And then another psalm, Psalm 146, verse 3. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. So, the Bible clearly teaches us 
that within all the nations and all the flows of nations and nationalism, all the interactions of cultures, all the tensions and misunderstandings of culture, all the desires to assert ourselves that are rooted in Babel, the story of Babel in Genesis 11, sorry, Genesis 12 onwards, Genesis 11 onwards, sorry, all that God looks on and laughs and says, I'm in charge. I have installed my king. The father's installed his resurrected son on his holy hill and he rules and reigns and will have his way in the nations. And uh, the Bible concludes with songs of worship and, and joy. Uh, Revelation 7, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language. However you want to divide up culture, whether it's geopolitical, whether it's tribal, whether it's people group or the languages they speak, they're standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they were worshipping, the Bible tells us. So we see that though we live in times of tumult and change and misunderstanding and conflict, the Lord reigns and the Lord will have his way and his glory in the nations. So, how then are we going to grapple with this issue? Well, to do that, I just want to do a, uh, talk a little bit about something that's important. It's in the Bible, but it's not necessarily an a, a explicit concept in the Bible, but it's very much in the Bible. And that's the idea of culture and worldview. How we look at the world. Uh, and the idea of worldview is the, is the underlying stories that are behind the culture that we live in. And that can give rise to different ways of looking at life. So, for example, if you were to go to, a, say, a Middle Eastern culture, there would be a high respect for the past and tradition and... And they would, and the regard that change is undesirable. So it's all about maintaining tradition. It's all about keeping uh, honour to the past. Someone who is a day older than you has a year's more wisdom than you. The elderly are honoured. The past is to be fought for. Tradition is to be upheld. If you think of the West, we are orientated towards the future, that the future is what is important, getting to the next thing is highly valuable, that we pursue development and therefore change is a welcome and wonderful phenomenon. We live future orientated, we live looking to the future, whereas often in the Middle Eastern cultures, the Islamic cultures I'm particularly fond of, uh, there's a, there's a, uh, a desire to maintain and honour the stories of the past. So therefore, anything that threatens the honour that is due to our story of the past is something that we should oppose. Whereas in the West, anything that is threatening development and thought and progress is regarded as a threat. Now, just simply plug that into the last five years, or since 9-11, and you start to understand how people begin to look at life and why we seem to miss each other, misunderstand each other, and conflict seems to spark where it doesn't, where it doesn't seem reasonable. Why on earth is that? Why, why that? Those sorts of things happen. I'll give you um, another example. Status 
in the Western world is a result of accomplishment, education, wealth, progressing yourself. Status in an Old Testament Hebrew world and an Eastern world is a matter of who you're associated with, is family, is name, is age, is, the, is, is, is how you are regarded. And that will therefore affect, for example, who you might marry or who you might not marry, or what people think of you if you marry uh, above or below your apparent status. So all these things reflect something of what we call worldview. And that reflects questions like, who are we? Where are we? What's wrong? And what's the solution? Every culture is asking those questions. Who are we? Where are we? What's wrong? And what's the solution? So within the West, we start to think about consumerism, um, and materialism, we have a scientific rationalism, the answers are in finding the answers, we can create the answers in democracy and being tolerant, or tolerant and cutting out the spiritual world. Perhaps in a, a more Islamic culture, for example, we're about together, we're about corporate, we're about a tribe, being a clan, being a family, we're together. We're about seeking honour, having a good family, family being pious, um, that we, uh, we honour the elderly. Um, and, and those sorts of things. So the cultures explore these questions and answer these questions differently. The thing is what we are offering as followers of Jesus is a different story that undermines our stories. We're offering a story of creation that's fallen, of God who's loving, of how God has sent his son to bring his creation back to himself and how he calls all people to honour his son and to be found in his son and in his son to be restored to the right relationship with God and with each other. So God made, and it says, as it says in Acts 17, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined and allotted periods and boundaries for their dwelling places. So we approach these questions with a very, very different answer. So then let's, if I may, turn now and address this a little bit more. Uh, from the scriptures. Is this okay? Is this helping? I feel like I'm, I'm dancing around some subjects, but I've, I'm hoping this kind of helps us engage ultimately with answering some of the practical questions of how do I read the news? So Colossians um, chapter 3, if we may, and verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in its knowledge, um, in the image of its creator. Here, here, note that, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and in all. So let's just take a, 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 a note of what this uh, teaching that Paul brings us. Notice that being... A new person in Christ has both individual 
and collective applications. That becoming a follower of Jesus isn't just about something for me personally. It's about how I connect with world and culture around me. So verse 5 to 8 is more, more about me as an individual, whereas verse 9 to 11 is about who we are together. Don't lie to each other. Put on a new, renewed view of yourself. There's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. And he lists, Paul lists a number of, of different people who are being restored to reflect the image of God in Christ. There's neither Greek nor Jew, both saved on the basis of death, or Christ, death of Christ. No law into God. And we're familiar with that, neither Jew nor Greek. He kind of connects with us. But then he says something interesting. He says there's no barbarian, no Scythian. Now these are very important concepts that Paul's talking about. You see, the Greeks thought they were superior to the barbarians and the Scythians. So he's dealing with the fact that not just it's not just a Jew-Gentile problem, it's a Greek barbarian-Scythian problem. So in this church that he's writing to in Colossae, there's not just a Jew-Greek problem, there's not just a black-white problem, there's a black-white-yellow-brown problem. There's a English, Arabic, Urdu, Farsi problem. There's a old, middle-aged, young, youth problem. There's a 15,000 a year, 30,000 a year, 70,000 a year, 250,000 pound a year problem. We're divided on different things, and we shouldn't be. We're looking at life from where we stand. And we shouldn't be. We should be th- we're thinking, where I stand is the right place to stand. And it isn't. He's challenging them. He's dealing with them. So, in the Greek mind, civilization and barbarism were like twins, both born in the Greek imagination. They, in turn, gave birth to ruthless mental dynasties which still hold invisible power over the Western mind. The Roman and the Byzantine empires sanctified their own imperialistic struggles as a defense of the civilized order against the, the barbaric primitives. So did the colonials of Spain, of Portugal, of Holland, of France, of Italy, of Germany, and Britain. Most European nation-states had at one time and other figured themselves as the, as the front line of the civilization, and they were resisting those barbarians, those Scythians that were coming to invade our culture. So, that, so, uh, the, so for the French, the Germans were the barbarians. For the Germans, it was the Slavs. For the Poles, it was the Russians. And for the Russians, it was the Mongols and the Turks. Everybody saw somebody else as, the, as, the, as those that are out to ruin our culture. They're nomadic, crazy guys. And we're settled, civilized people. And that goes on today. So we face that today. So just the border keeps shifting between civilization and, and it's, this is exactly what Paul's dealing with. This for me came home to me when all of a sudden we started to have mass migration as a consequence of, of the, the tumult in the Middle East. I suddenly remember as a student in my very early 20s, having done a, my first ever trip outside of Europe um, to uh, one of the nations of North Africa with a, a missions organization, and praying. And I remember praying with some fervor. I, still can, I still can see it now today. I can remember the times of prayer 
on a dried up reservoir on the on the edge of the Atlas Mountains and in a in a in, a, in, a, in a, an unusual Catholic monastery that happened to be in, historically in one of uh, these uh, one of the capital one of the major cities of this nation. And I remember praying God open doors to these closed nations. Open doors that we would find a way to get the gospel to these people. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of those people I'm praying for migrating across Europe. And I'm thinking, how do I read the news? Is that a threat or is that an answer to prayer? I begin to think, oh, good grief. Maybe God's answering my prayers in a way I wasn't expecting. And all of a sudden, they're, they're kind of like within half a mile of my house. And I think, oh, what is God doing? I'm starting to read the news from a different perspective. Yeah, that may put a little bit of threat on my precious NHS. I don't care. So much. I'm more bothered about the fact there's people I could reach for the gospel that I couldn't before that God's opened the door. And I begin to realize, oh, maybe God is doing something. So the Paul challenges us in this passage about how we value individual human lives. How we value one life over and above another. Are there any West Wing fans in the, in, in, here this today? Well, there's a few. West Wing's essential viewing for anybody who's on any of my leadership teams. Um, West Wing is a series of uh, programs uh, written uh, for American television by a guy called Aaron Sorkin, um, who's one of my favorite scriptwriters. Uh, and it's essentially about the administration uh, of uh, uh, a democratic presidency in the White House, um, sort of set before 9 11, uh, essentially, or primarily. And, uh, and in this moment, there's, they're dealing with an international crisis. And uh, there's a fictitious small African nation that is having uh, a revolution, and there's genocide taking place. And the debate. The way it happens in the team is why, is why is an American life more valuable than an African life? And, and, and the president is grappling with this because he knows that he has the troops to intervene and stop this genocide, but to do that would cost possibly a few hundred American lives, but it would save tens if not hundreds of thousands of lives from this fictitious nation. And Sorkin plays out this drama. Uh, as a real political debate, and it's brilliantly done and really insightful. Um, and uh, what Paul is challenging us is that every human life is of equal value and of equal status before God. And that just reflects our news media. So something makes the headlines when a, a, a tragic accident happens and a few people die in a tragic accident on the motorways over the last few days, and yet there may be scores of people dying elsewhere in the world, and it doesn't even make the back the bottom of the fourth page is on the right-hand side of the fifth column. Because we valued, because of how we value different people's lives. And Paul is challenging us here to say that whether you're Jew, Greek, whether you're slave or free, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're male or female, everybody's life is deeply valuable and deeply understanding. And we need to deal with that prejudice in us. And it's just simply there. We have to face that, and, and particularly if you're white British, we have to work out the challenge of feeling like we still should rule the world. And I, I know we would never admit it, but somehow it's just a little bit sometimes creeps into our DNA. It's, it's, it, 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 we've got we to face it. I can remember I was um, 
I've travelled to India, uh, which is one of my favourite places a number of times. And uh, India is a wonderfully and beautifully and brilliantly hospitable. Um, so when you arrive, one of the first things they do is they grab your case and uh, they, they look after you, they carry your case to where you're staying, and often they'll give up their bed for you and, uh, and treat you with, with, with great dignity and, and beautifully. Hospitality is just, just you know, beyond. Um, and then uh, over the years, we started to have Indians come to our home uh, and visit us. And uh, there was an interesting moment when one of my dearest and closest friends uh, was coming to our home and uh, I picked him up, at, I think at the airport, uh, and uh, we travelled back to our house and uh, we were unpacking the car. I suddenly had a moment, I was about to let him get his case, and I suddenly had a moment, I thought, hang on a minute, what happens when I'm in India? They carry my case. So I grabbed my friend's case and uh, I start to carry it. And he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm carrying your case. And he says, no, 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 you can't. I said, yes, I can. And we start to fight in the middle of the street over his suitcase. And I turn around to him and said, say to him, well, you always carry my case when I'm in your country. What, do you think that the white man shouldn't carry the brown man's case? And we both have a, had a moment when we both realized we were both conforming to cultural stereotypes without realizing it. And I carried his case from my car up the two flights of stairs to the room in my home where he was staying and took his case up there. And while he sat down and we served him a cup of tea and some biscuits and some snacks and some cake and welcomed him into our home. And I suddenly realized that these dreadful things need to be taken out of us. Because I'm in Christ now and he's my brother and I want to honor him the way he honors me. I want to respect him the way he respects me. And it's not, and, and, and he was my guest in my home and it was, it deserved every dignity and every respect. Uh, and the fact that I, I discovered this in me, I was, I was ashamed of myself. I thought, man, you're a, you, who do you think you are? I find this, this, this in me that is not conformed to the image of Christ yet. And I need to root that out. And I root and root that out, and you, and um, and 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 you know, and you, 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 if you have a moment, you look down on another culture and think, oh, they're just they're they're, they're like that. How, how could they, why do they behave that way? Stop yourself, and challenge yourself. I'm thinking, hang on a minute, what's the perspective? Why do people behave in a certain way? What's the culture behind that? What's the story behind that? What's what's the underlying thing that's going on? Paul writes in Romans, verse 15. Sorry, chapter 15, verse 7. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. In Romans 12, verse 6. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Jesus tells us to adopt an approach to others where we serve in the opposite spirit of that of the culture around us. You can see that in the way Jesus talks about particularly in things like the Sermon on the Mount. So he says things like, if someone asks you to carry their load a mile, carry it two miles. And you, you, you must, I mean, you've read that, I think that's a bit weird, isn't it? And then I did a bit of research on that and looked into it. Well, it was typical that a Roman soldier would carry a pack. And because they were the dominant culture, 
they had the power and the dominant force, they had the power to command anybody to carry their pack. But it was always resisted. You know, how dare you? I'm a man of dignity. I won't do that. And you've got to fight it. But Jesus says, no, no, no. If, if someone wants to do, challenge you to carry their pack a mile, carry it too. Fighting the opposite spirit. So if you find in yourself something that says, I'm better than you, fight the opposite spirit. If you find in our culture something that says, we're better than you, fight the opposite spirit. Invade that space with the opposite spirit. Build into connections that help you understand other people's worlds. Find ways to understand where other people are coming from. So practically, you can, you can do this. It can be about where you shop. It can be about where you eat. It can be about where you source your news information from. So as I said for myself, I practically try and do this by making sure I resource, I source my news from, from more than what is reflecting from where I stand. So I'm going to do more than read the BBC. I'm certainly going to do more than read the Daily Mail. I'm, I'm going to which I don't do. Um, I want to resource my information from lots of different places to get different perspectives on what's going on around me. The Bible, even within the Old Testament, is very clear. An alien living among you who wants to celebrate the Lord's Supper may take part like one born in the land. Exodus 23, verse 9. Do not oppress an alien. You yourselves know how it feels to be aliens because you were aliens in Egypt. Leviticus 19, when a foreigner lives with you in your land, don't take advantage of them. Treat the foreigner the same way as a native. Love them like your own people. Remember that you were once foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Zechariah chapter 7, do not oppress the foreigner. So the Bible brings us what for me is a, a significant challenge that we are actually to create a culture. And this is not a political statement about how we should and shouldn't have voted about anything. We create a culture that welcomes within the people of God people from other cultures and nations. We're to find ways to build towards other cultures and we enter into another culture as a learner. As we approach other people from other cultures, we go to learn. We go to be hospitable. We go to welcome. So uh, recently in Bristol where we used to live, um, it was the end of Ramadan uh, and uh, the celebrations of Eid. There's two, there's two Eids generally within an Islamic uh, calendar. And there's, there's an Eid, a, a big sort of festival time at the end of Ramadan. And um, one of uh, a group of mosques that are centered in one particular district uh, of our city were celebrating and they were uh, offering food uh, and they were doing a, 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 f- a feast. So I, I went along. I thought I'd go along. Uh, and I thought, okay, I'm going to dress appropriately. So I'm going to dress smartly because this is a high-context culture. And therefore, to wander along in jeans and a T-shirt like I'm, like I'm wearing now, that would have been, wouldn't have been respectful. It would have been a little bit disrespectful. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go and I'm, I'm, I'm iron a shirt. I put on some smart trousers, put on some smart shoes, uh, and, and I go there. And I'm, I'm going there. I've got, I've, I've got some church business cards. I think I'll take some church business cards with me. And I, I go t- to the mosque and I look around, look for somebody who I think looks like a person of honour in that community. Someone's, dr- you know, perhaps an organiser, perhaps someone who's dressed in a certain way. 
Uh, and I've, I've interacted a little bit with our, that, this culture in, in our city before, and I got to introduce myself. So hello, my name's uh, Simon Walker. Thank you for uh, putting on this wonderful event to bless our communities and our city. I'm the pastor of one of the, one of the churches in Bristol. I'm a, I'm a, a Christian minister, and I just want to be here and celebrate this festival with you. And I want to thank you for doing this and inviting uh, this, the, the, the neighbourhood and some of our church live in that neighborhood and inviting the neighborhood to your community and he said, oh it's wonderful we have a long conversation let me take you to the the, 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 the leader of the mosque so I go to the, I'm invited then I go along to the leader of the mosque and I shake his hand and I, I and they said stay with us so I stay with actually this guy before that this guy said, stay with us I stay with them so we go through, and I, I'm allowed to attend as they uh, do their prayers uh, and it was the prayer time the, um, at dusk uh, and I attend the prayer time uh, just standing at the back or, and sitting at the back and trying to be respectful, taking my shoes off, put them quietly at the side. Um, so I'm trying to be honourable and respectful. Uh, and then at the end, uh, this person I've met in the street, who had a nice conversation, takes me to m meet the imam who is doing the prayers, and I shake hands and we have a photograph taken. And I say, "Can I have a photograph? On, would I can I have a photograph on my camera too?" So they take a photograph on their camera on the phone and I take a photograph from mine on my phone uh, and we thank each other uh, and we exchange business cards. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to show respect. I'm trying to show honour. I'm thinking this is a minority culture that feels threatened within British culture at the moment and they're doing something that they're allowing me to be a part of their world. So I want to go and show honour and respect. I want to step towards them. I'm going in as a learner, and then they said, well, "Would you take some of our have some of their food?" Oh, we've most of it's gone, but here, here's some bananas. Um, so I take some bananas uh, uh, and and take them home. Uh, and and, I, and it was just for me, it was just a way of trying to find a way to understand and interact. With actually, the mosque had just been renovated and just put on a new dome. Um, it's an old church building. And I'm go I'm going up there, and I'm saying, "Oh, isn't it beautiful?" And I'm admiring. The artwork and this is so, so beautiful, and the decoration, the way you've lit it, and I'm, I'm, I'm complimenting the decoration. I'm seeking to find ways to express honour uh, uh, and build a bridge towards. And uh, I'm thinking, what you know? How do I take two steps towards them, so that they've got a story now that in their in their community there's a story of a man who follows Jesus, who's a Christian pastor, who came to us and respected us and showed us honor. Maybe they aren't all out to get us. You see, because if you're looking from an Eastern eyes, you see everything in the culture, everything in an Islamic culture says this is Islam. So if they look West, everything in the West is Christianity because that's the land where the Islamic people of Islamic lands, they're the Christians of the Western lands and their daughters dress in a disgusting way that's offensive and it's horrific and we don't like that and we don't want our daughters to dress like their daughters and we don't want our sons to behave like their sons and we don't want uh, marriage to be treated the way they disgracefully treat marriage and we want to keep our traditions and we want to stay honorable and we want to stay within the boundaries of our culture and our past and and the prophet's traditions that he's given that God's given us through the Quran and the hadiths so all of a sudden I'm trying to build a different story because I've got I want to break that story with a different story and the only way I can do that is to go and eat their food and Enjoy their hospitality and show respect to their culture. So I'm presenting a different narrative. Because they're threatened by the narrative that's around them. Now if I, if I tell that story and I, I talk about that and then someone asks me, 
Someone says, why on earth? This is where it's going to get a little bit tricky. My comment next. Why on earth did some extremists blow up a concert in Manchester where teenagers were going just to have a good time? Why would that be a target? Because that represents in a a distorted view, but still a view, a view that has some roots in a culture, a distorted, uh, um, uh, manipulated, uh, demonically inspired moment. It's saying that's a threat to our story, therefore we need to attack it. So all of a sudden, that's why you attack that, because that's a threat to our kids and our story and our way of life. Because it represents where we don't want to go. So we need to disgrace it to keep the honor of our ways. So we'll throw a bomb. Now it's awful, but when you stand in a different place, you can begin to see how that crazy idea made its journey. Does that make sense? Now it's an awful way of looking at it. But it makes sense. And that's part of what happens. So what happens is, is that we then, we then have to go back to what's our cultural stories. If we're threatened by so many things, what's our culture? What's our story? What's our story? Dunkirk's our story. We can, be, we can stand against anything ultimately. You know, what's our story? Well, when everything goes wrong, the British, the British survive and the British pull through. That's our story. We, we can, we can, when, it, when the push comes to shove, we will just rise to the top. We can tough it out. We can win through. We can, we can, you know, we, you know, we can do that. And, and actually, it was better, wasn't it, when we, were, when we, when we stood alone? Because when we stand alone, we can, make, we can win. And that becomes our narrative. Enough people hear that narrative in fear, and that affects how we vote for something like Brexit. Now, I'm not saying that Brexit is right or wrong. I'm saying that was what gets, gets behind the thinking and the story. So if you're American, what's the story? Well, the story is the Lone Ranger who comes in and rescues. The story is Superman who can tear off his, his, his mild-mannered way and all of a sudden come to the rescue, the slightly uh, breaking the rules hero who can save the world. We saved the world in the Second World War. We saved the world through Superman. We saved the world through Iron Man. Or something like that. So that's our worldview. We're the Lone Ranger. We can come to the rescue. That's, our, that's, that's the story. So all of a sudden, that's, that's foreign policy. Because that's the cultural narrative. That's the story that's running behind everything. The stories underneath that start to affect culture. If you understand a culture, read, read, the, folk, read the folk tales understand the story. So we're now in a post-empire culture and we are very, very confused. So as the United Kingdom, we're trying to find our new stories and we haven't quite got them. We don't, we don't you know, we're, some of the old stories aren't working anymore. So George and the Dragon isn't, isn't, isn't working. It's, you know, even Dunkirk, it's not, these things aren't quite working. So, so we're now trying to find stories around fairness. We're now trying to find new heroes to lift up that uh, somehow affect a, a blended society where, you know, it's, where, where are you on the spe sexual spectrum of blend? Uh, and we're trying to find new stories. And our culture is trying to peddle to us new stories because we're trying to find stories in arts and culture that affect how we make political and spiritual decisions. 
And as Christians, we have to say that, well, I support the English cricket team. So I'm all right for that kind of patriotism. Um, I'm deciding whether to support Wales or England at the moment. Um, uh, you know, I still support Yorkshire. Um, um, uh, but, 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 but actually, we need a different cultural narrative that says we're, we're actually bringing a third culture, a different culture along. A culture that says we're all made in the image of God and his likeness. A culture that says wherever you're from and the nation you're from, there's something in that that reflects God because God made all the nations. There's some things in that that are just neutral. Whether, however you cook your chicken, it's, it doesn't really matter. You know, just good to share some food. But actually there's some things in every culture that's distorting and demonically inspired. And we need to come in with a different culture and a different way of looking at things that values every human being that values their story and their culture and their way of doing life, their approach to humanity, but actually also comes in with a different story that challenges it, that's a better story, a story of a saviour who came and loves us, a saviour who came to have a new people within every nation, that there is essentially just two races, those in Christ and those not yet in Christ. And the job of those in Christ is to care for one another and bless those who are not yet in Christ, understand them, to help them get into Christ. And that, that is who we are on this planet, and that's who we are on this earth. And that needs to take precedent, if you don't mind me saying so, over everything else. It needs to take precedent over what happens to be in my passport, or what happens to be the cultural story that is dominating the, 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 the news agenda and, and the political agenda and the cultural agenda that I happen to have been born in. Now, it's no mistake that I'm born into this culture, but that isn't to dominate my way of looking at life. I'm to, first of all, look in the mirror and realize I've got some glasses on. And then, because you know, sometimes we, look, we don't realize we've got, we're wearing cultural spectacles and we interpret everything through the glasses. I, I have a natural way of looking at life. I need to, oh yeah, that's, I've, got a, I've got a British Western white worldview. Yep, it's true and that means I like roast beef and Yorkshire pudding, which is culturally neutral. Um, it means that I think I'm superior to pretty much anybody else on the planet, which is entirely demonic. Um, uh, 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 and it means that I've, I've learned to, uh, to reason a little bit, which is, is probably quite a good idea. And I need to recognize that and realize that's who I am. And, and then I need to think, okay, how do I adjust that to be more like Jesus? So therefore I need to learn to serve other nations and other cultures. I need to find ways to demonstrate that practically. I need to learn to build bridges. And I need to start by thinking, they've just done something that I don't find acceptable. I wonder why. So when it comes to the news, and we, the seminar was, I trust, designed to help equip you. So one of the questions when something happens in the news is and you, somebody does something, start by asking the question, why did they do that? What's behind that? Why did they feel threatened by that? Why did they have to fight back? So, for example, if a culture is shamed, if an Eastern culture is shamed, it's brought disgrace, the only way to restore honour is to fight back and extract a blood payment for that shame. 
And if you look, if you have a long memory, because the honouring the past is more important than looking to the future, then what happened with the Crusades is yesterday. Now that affects how you approach Western people. So though Western people freed Kuwait, it was still the imperialistic crusaders on Islamic holy land. And that's shameful. That's just a cultural story, cultural narrative. Slightly naively put, but a cultural understanding. For us, it wouldn't even enter my head to think it was a, a disgraceful thing if one of my children married somebody from Germany. And yet, my grandfather fought in a war against the Germans, and my great-grandfather fought in a war against the Germans. But we look forward rather than back. So it would be no offence to my family and my family's name if any of my children married someone from Germany. I did have an interesting experience when I was a teenager and my friend had a cultural exchange, a school's exchange, and their friend was staying over from Germany. And I, joke for a joke, pretended that this girl was my girlfriend to my grandmother and she was horrified. I'm not of a German in my home. Because her husband had fought the Germans in Africa. But we have short memories because we look forward. If you're in another culture, you have long memories and you look back. Now, if you're a black Afro-Caribbean living in America, the story of slavery is yesterday. And the ongoing apparent, well not apparent, obvious economic differences is, is a very real narrative and story. I think, hang on a minute. Surely it's all the same. No, no, no. There's those stories play out for many generations. So the story of empire plays out for many generations, particularly have a, if, you have a gener if, if you have a culture that has a long memory. So we as believers need to demonstrate a new culture that is found in Christ that actually un tries to understand why certain people behave in certain ways and helps to bring them out of their culture into a Christ-like culture too. So therefore we need to be actively doing that, actively finding ways to, to develop a positive approach to diversity, a positive approach to, to mending bridges, to demonstrating there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, highly paid, lowly paid, highly educated, lowly educated, lowly less educated, whatever even language you want to use. As we do that, we demonstrate who we are in Christ. We also need to approach some of our transient political questions that we face within our culture of who we vote for and how we vote in terms of asking some of these questions about what creates the best atmosphere for the gospel and how do we better create culture that allows us to demonstrate who we are in Christ. And to be honest with you, sometimes those answer answers aren't easy to find. But sometimes we need to approach some of those questions and answer some of those distinctives. So I realize we've, I've talked for a, an hour now, um, and I've tried to uh, um, <laughs> get, get across a number of, of different 
uh, issues around culture uh, and around worldview, uh, around how we respond to things that are happening around us. Um, uh, and uh, uh, that is very difficult to do uh, in such a short space of time to sort of dance around a few different things. But I hope it's kind of helped you think about some of those things. What, what I, I propose that we do now um, is just try and have, have a, a bit of Q&A. I won't necessarily uh, pretend to have answers that I don't have. Uh, but maybe to take a little bit of Q&A, and I know there's others in here who've thought about some of these things as well, and may want to uh, make a comment and perspective. So it's not necessarily you're going to ask the question, I'm going to have the answers. We may that we answer uh, and have answers and questions uh, between us. And then I suggest after that, maybe do that for 10, 15 minutes, depending on how it goes, uh, and then we could, we could pray. Uh, but we'll just play that by ear just in terms of uh, what we've done. But I've tried to sort of give you, I trust, some insights, perhaps cause more questions than answers, but give you some ways of looking at the world that are slightly different and help you just understand that the world we live in uh, is complex and different people look at it from different perspectives. And our job as believers is to look at it from both Christ's perspectives and our neighbor's perspective so that we can bring Christ to our neighbor and understand who our neighbor is. So, uh, having done that, I'm going to take the risk uh, of saying, anybody got a question? And I'll then repeat the question onto the mic and try and field some answers. Yes, sir. Okay, brilliant question. So the question is about Donald Trump uh, and uh, how do we handle the fact that some uh, within the American culture see him as a, a, someone who the, is good for Christianity or, or supported by the Christians and that seems very difficult from uh, where uh, the questioner asks, asks the question and how do we respond uh, to Trump? Let me just say, uh, I've talked a lot about looking east. If we look west for a minute, uh, the strange uh, thing is, is that America has the shared language, a little bit of shared heritage, but is a very different nation. Uh, and, and actually, America is a nation of nations. So I was sat, actually, interestingly enough, in Cardiff, um, great place to come and live if you're interested, um, uh, last week with a guy who's just moved from the Midwest, from Missouri, um, to Cardiff. Uh, and I was asking him about Trump. And he said, oh, everybody's for Trump where we are. And I said, why? I said, he said, well, well, because um, they just think he reflects their values. And, and, and we discussed that actually what many American Christians are looking for is, uh, in quotations, a revival of moralism rather uh, than a revival of genuine faith. This was his comments, but I thought there's something in this. And actually what Trump, to some extent, represents, or is perceived to represent, is, is, is defending a moral position against the alternative in which Mrs. Clinton was perceived as somebody who was trying to accelerate and move away from Christian morality. And Trump seems to perpetuate the narrative of America being the superhero. And America has the narrative of the outcast, the renegade, the Batman, the, 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 the slightly you know, lone ranger who comes in and saves the day. And Trump's kind of a little bit fits that narrative. So within their culture, which is very different from our culture, they, you can see how some people who only, only listen to talk radio that's from that culture and doesn't have any external influences of, you know, don't own a passport, have never traveled outside of the US or even their state and the neighboring state, because everything, everything you want to do is in America, isn't it? You've got skiing and you've got beaches and you've got walking and everything, you know, and cities and you know, everything, it's a beautiful place. 
Um, so, so Devachal, all of a sudden, you can see that, that how he got to where he got to and how people perceive him the way they perceive him. So the first thing we need to do is understand that's why some of our brothers and sisters in Christ see something very differently from us. And, 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 and that, now, that doesn't mean I agree with them, but I need to understand why that's happened. The second thing the Bible tells me, I've got to pray for those in authority. So every time you criticize him, pray for him. You've got to outweigh your tuts with your prayers, okay? Otherwise, we're hypocrites. So, so, so we, we, we need to fight that battle and win that battle. We'll pray for those in authority. He happens to be in authority. We'll pray for him. We also need to recognize, I think, that some of the things he says and some of the things he does, we simply, from the scripture, cannot accept. Uh, but we have to do that in a way that he's letting the scripture speak rather than my own internal uh, blood boiling speak. Um, and uh, I think... The only further thing I'll say is we need to pray for those around him and pray f essentially for issues around peace. Uh, and I think uh, if I go back to my story of going to the mosque, is actually I need to demonstrate on a local level that's within my power something that demonstrates something that's alternative. So I, when we have, so if, whenever I'm served by somebody who's, um, we, had a, we had a guy come and paint our house. Um, I got through a friend of mine called Mohammed. Um, he employed some Polish painters. That's how I got this guy. This guy, uh, and uh, this guy came and painted the house, and he was exceptional. His work ethic was exceptional. The quality of his work was exceptional. Um, and I just thanked him, and I said, "I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're living in our city. I know things are a bit difficult at the moment, but please stay. You know, I'd love it if you stayed and tell your friends I'd like you to stay. You know, and I don't want you to go home. Please stay." You know, and I said, you're probably not hearing that from, our newspapers aren't saying that, but this household says, please stay. Because uh, I just wanted to, all, that's all I could do. But I wanted him to hear that. So I paid him and tipped him, you know, because I wanted him to understand, please stay. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know, I, I think, you know, we've got to find local ways to subvert the narrative that's coming in. And we, we also need to understand why that exists. And I think that's why part of the reason, it's a small example, but I think that's part of the reason why Trump has happened. Um, and we need to pray for the next election. Um, another question, please. <laughs> Great comment, Reza. Thank you. Thank you. That's very helpful. And what's interesting is, just, just to come back on the, the, the comment about, about the Jewish people, is the Jewish people were blessed to serve the nations, but their, but their blessing turned to pride. And it's frightening that prodigals can become older brothers very quickly. Does that make sense? Prodigal sons can become older brothers very quickly. Uh, and it's really important that we remember that we're saved by grace uh, and, and that that's, that's all we are, which is all we need to be. Thank you for an outstanding comment. Let's have another question. Do you have any more questions? There must be more. Yes, sir. Yeah, brilliant question. How do we approach the LGBT culture as a particular cultural group? Uh, is there anything we can do? Um, well, first of all, I think uh, we approach every culture on the same way. We approach every culture to serve, uh, every culture recognizing that they need Jesus. The second thing is, is that uh, I don't think we should um, be bound by the labels that either society gives people or people give themselves. So the reason, one of the reasons that 
I would suggest that perhaps LGBT culture um, uh, has the, the, the boundaries that it has by identifying itself as a culture uh, is because that's the thing that, that, that is attention is being drawn to, to, to make us separate and distinct. But we're choosing to be defined by these particular labels. Uh, now, actually, those people within that culture uh, are, are not only people who have uh, are developing identity within their sexual orientation. Uh, that there's other elements to their identity. They they have other parts of their story. They have backgrounds. They have families. Uh, they have jobs. They um, have have preferences in arts and media. They they do different things in uh, in terms of how they vote or or what the careers they pursue. And therefore, we need to um, not allow labels that people give themselves to be the only way we are allowed. We would we we, we 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 are allowed to contact and connect and build with them. So I, I I would if anybody comes to me, I don't I don't uh, uh, I have a number of friends who happen to be Indian who are all very different, so I don't treat them all the same because they're all Indian. There's certain aspects of them as Indian friends that uh, they have in common that's slightly different from my English friends. But I actually connect with them in different ways because I uh, my understanding of them as I've got to know them is, is my primary their primary identity marker to them to me now is not that they are Indian is that well he's He's a reader. Uh, 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 he, he's a prophet, and he's passionate. And, and that guy, that guy's just all he wants to talk about is his kids, you know. And and that guy, I just want to talk about cricket with. I mean, there's there's silly examples, but but I'm getting beyond the label. So I think to break into a particular culture that uses the label to, to as a as a way of separating, are you for us or against us? I'm gonna I'm gonna gonna accept the question. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna I want to get to know you as as a person in that way. So, so I have gay friends, for example, uh, uh, and I don't think, oh, you're my gay friend. I think you're my friend who happens to be. And uh, and therefore, I'm trying. I will try and break break into sounds a uh, the wrong kind of language. Um, I want to connect with people who happen to give themselves that label as an identity marker, and say I'm not going to only allow that to be the way that you identify yourself even though i understand why you're making that a big issue because actually it's the it's a distinctive that, that that is something important to you so i'm not going to undermine that but i'm going to try and connect with you beyond that 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 point so so you know you know do you like the let's let's do you like the same band let's go and see the band together that's 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 okay does that make sense so i think i would try and go beyond the label because labels, are, labels separate us. And actually they're human beings made by God to know God who happen to give, have given themselves this label at this time. Does that, does that make sense? Now, that's, there's, a lot, there's a lot more answers needed to that question, but that would be one of my approaches. Is that, is that, is that helpful? Yeah. That's a great question. <laughs> is there a place of being English? Yeah, in our worship times. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a great English guy leading worship at the moment, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> he's thoroughly English. He just looks slightly different colour to me. That's the only thing that's different about us. And he supports the wrong football team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is a place for being in your culture and finding your ways in your culture because actually 
God saved you in that culture. So yes, there is a place. And therefore, yeah, absolutely, there's a place for being English. I think what, when people say, let's not be English, it probably is a very bad shorthand to say, actually, let's, let's, let's try and be biblical in our ways that we bring worship to God, which includes dancing and clapping, but it also includes kneeling and lying prostrate. So let's not be English and kneel tonight. Oh, for, you know, so I think we, so, so yes, uh, I agree with you that we, sh- we don't, there's more than one thing in your question. So let's, be, let's try and answer it succinctly and, and systematically. Yes, we want to be biblical in our culture first, and sometimes that means not letting our cultural restraints dominate us. Secondly, yes, there are times to be us, but actually we're probably more us, more whatever English means. Uh, I'm going to be Welsh, whatever that means. Um, so w- what that means to be British... Um, and how that looks. Yes, there's times for that, but we're probably more that than the, we think we are. And therefore, it's, it's good to begin to, ref- to ask the question, uh, is, my ing- is my Britishness restricting my biblicalness? But yes, there is good times to be ourselves. And the, th- the next thing from that is to say, now that I know who I am, how do I marry that with people of other cultures and together produce a rainbow of worship that has not, a br- not just every culture gets lost, but every culture celebrated. And therefore, doing, a, doing something that actually draws out the different beautiful ways that different cultures can express worship and having them not blend it together you don't recognize it but actually alongside each other that we're 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 making something together does that make sense so i think i think i think that's important i think also we just need to just 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 take something that actually sometimes the issue isn't britishness but it's generation uh, and it can also be um education and it can also be um uh, issues around wealth, and it, and it can be so. Let me just give you an interesting reflection. Uh, I'll finish with this and have another question. Let me give you an interesting reflection on the worship that we've had over the last few days. So, when we had an Indian team influencing and leading our worship, the songs that we started with were primarily about the greatness of God, the victory of God, the power of God, God being conquered. Did you notice that all the songs we started out with were like that. As you've got a team now that's like the songs that's dominated by a more English culture, the kind of songs we are singing are all about the suffering servant, the, the blood of Christ, the, the way that Christ, worked, Christ uh, saved us. So it's been dealing with guilt and shame, justification, adoption. The first group of songs, particularly about victory, Christus victors, God is conqueror, our God's victorious did you, you may have noticed that in the songs now go to the cultures if you're living in a culture where every ivory corner has a hindu idol and every, every and, and you want to know that your god's broken that idol and more powerful than the idol and can deliver you from the idol you celebrate that you celebrate that jesus did that in the cross and the resurrection so you sing songs of the greatness and the victory of god because that's the culture you're worshiping in and you you want you need to know your god's won if you're living in a culture where we, f- where we feel alienated and we feel alone and we feel, you know, I just need to know I'm loved and I feel guilty and I, I need to be made right. Then you sing songs about the sacrifice of Jesus in terms of justification and, a, and coming before God and knowing that God loves us and we're adopted uh, as family and we sing songs about how much he loves us. Uh, 
And that's because the dominant narrative in our story about God and what Christ achieved, all those, are, of course, are biblically accurate, correct, and true. And on the cross and in the resurrection, all those things happen. Victory, sacrifice for just to, 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 to remove guilt, and shame, just, just removed, honor given. All those things happened on the cross. The three big things, honor, shame, guilt. Sorry, uh, victory, uh, honor, uh, justification, or guilt, um, uh, defeat, and shame all those things were dealt with on the cross it just in different cultures celebrate different things and that was why the songs are slightly different does that make sense yeah so so we so you get that now if we're going to do different cultures it's not necessarily you know how boppy we are it's not about rhythm necessarily it's it can, can be about content if it's about intellect then you might find that the the the, the, the words are and the concepts are more are, are are, are more detailed if you're dealing with a more intellectual group of people than those that actually uh, find something in the energy of a, of a simple concept repeated. So you have to think about how your worship is different in those contexts. So yeah, but that's a very interesting question about how, how we handle that. Next question, please. Great question. Okay, it's, yeah, this is going to be the last question. It's nearly half past. The mi- next meeting's in, in an hour, so I'm going to try and answer this question. How do you vote? Just to say, I have voted in the general election for every main, all three, if you like, of the mainstream political parties, and I'm not a member of any of them. Okay, so just to <laughs> help you with that. Um, uh, we vote prayerfully. We vote, um, I think... Uh, we have to make a, each time a, a, a reasoned choice based on what we're pre- the choices we're presented with. And that can be both local and national. So I think you have to look at the, the local context of the, the character integrity of my candidates. And you have to look at what is the national, the national context in terms of if I vote for that person, they get elected, who are they going to support? And then in terms of who they support, there will be a number of things as a Christian you will agree with or disagree with in all the camps. And you have to figure out how to weight them. Which, is there anything that disqualifies someone and therefore I could never vote for them? And if you feel that is, then you have to make that choice. But otherwise you are ranking in priority different agendas both in terms of the character of them as a leader and the policies that they have and the thing that's behind those policies the philosophies behind those policies and ultimately you're ranking them and on the balance of that ranking you have to make your choice so that may change based on where they are in on the left right perspective it may change on where they are on different social policy, moral issues versus different economic issues and how, how you see those. It will also depend on how you see them as a leader and the people around them because 50% of what any prime minister will do will be responding to things that they can't predict. So you're voting for somebody about how they will handle what happens, not only what they would like to do. So in that context, I think you have to make your choice. And therefore, it's not a straightforward and easy choice, I would advocate. I can't... I don't think we can say that's a Christian party and that's not. Um, and I, th- and I think we have to live with that uh, and we need to make those choices. And those choices also will be different at a local, at a national, and formally at a European level. Obviously, we want to have participate in the European election. 
Um, so so I, I don't think there's an easy answer, but I think that you'll find your answer if you explore it that way prayerfully. Um, and I, I would suggest that, you, that that needs to involve as far as you're able to take time to consider it and not necessarily just to be presented by the headlines or the sometimes you know one of the things I struggle with in the election is sometimes the, the, the candidates just don't get enough time to say what they want to say because the interviewers are hammering at them so sometimes you've got to try and try and hear the narrative behind the story I, I, I once attended a, a, an event in Bristol where David Cameron before he was, he was Labour leader of the Conservative Party uh, uh, but they were in opposition um, so it was Gordon Brown was Prime Minister and uh, it was, a, it was uh, and I got to ask him a question and um, uh, it, it was about a group, maybe double this size, and it's only a huge group of people. Uh, and um, I said to him, 50%, um, uh, I'll just use that, about 50% of what happens is if you ever become prime minister, you've no idea wh wh where it's going to come from, what, you can, what, what kind of things, crisis is going to happen, what kind of challenges you're going to face. What are the principles that are in you that will influence the choices you make in that crisis? And he, and he looked at me, and he said, oh, I've not had that question before. Or some words to that effect. And then, and then it's interesting, he talked about responsibility. He talked about personal responsibility and we need to take responsibility for our lives and, uh, and en enabling people to take responsibility was, was how he approached the, the answer. Which is, but what's interesting is I think often the politicians aren't reflecting on those questions. Um, but I think we need to, so it's issues around character issues around how you'd handle something that you don't know what's coming and how you balance their emphases and how you weigh them and weight them and in there you'll find your answer but i don't think you'll find the same answer every time absolutely absolutely so it's not that's not the choice of what makes you most prosperous it's the choice of what serves my neighbor best that's got to be the question so what's so i asked that question what serves the refugee best who i vote for that's how i voted last time it gives you some where my brain was. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have made us your ambassadors in this nation and in the nations of the world, that we represent a better kingdom and a better king, and that we have a better story to tell, uh, and that story is better than the narrative offered by any politician or any national history or any national fear. And we pray, Lord, that we will be ambassadors for you in this nation and in the nations and amongst our friends at work and our friends in our streets and the places we hang out with and the people we go out with uh, and, and uh, share time with, Father, that we would represent a different culture and start to ask different questions and offer different options that would be uh, provoking and challenging to say there's a better king and a better kingdom with a better story that subverts and usurps and is greater than anything that's offered by anybody else. Lord, we pray that we would, in our lives, in our thinking, in our practice, uh, undermine prejudice, that we would undermine uh, the demonic strongholds of our world that would set one culture or one people or one colour or one uh, economic group or one age group against another and pictures against each other rather than saying in Christ we can all bring worship and honour and glory to you. So Father, help us live as people like that, as people who are in Christ and are sent into the world to love our neighbour. Lord, help us do that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I hope that's been useful. God bless you. Uh, enjoy uh, the final meeting this evening.